Welcome, everybody. Season 2 of CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Oh, baby, the season starts up this week. The march to the Grey Cup begins. And I'm going to be coming to you all season long all across Canada on the TSN radio network. Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Toronto, Hamilton, Ottawa, Montreal, Folks, it's going to be a fun ride, and it all starts tonight. And we're delivered by Domino's. Folks, how about this? Get a medium four-topping pizza for $9.99. Four-topping pizza, $9.99. And if you're hungrier, no problem. You can make it a large for $11.99. Check out all the deals at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. What a jam-packed show to kick off the season. How about this? CFL Commish, the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, he's going to be by in about a half hour's time, a state of the union. We're going to find out about expansion, his thoughts about Johnny Manziel, any new news or notes going into this season. So we'll talk with the commissioner. Then TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor going to break down a whole bunch of stuff. So many storylines going into the 2018 season. And power rankings with TSN.ca's Scott Cullen as well as our game picks. For the year. We gotta start doing that again, right? It, season kicks off on TSN Thursday, 8 30 p.m. Eastern start. Winnipeg Blue Bombers hosting the Edmonton Eskimos. And for the Bombers, it's all about the quarterback. Chris Streveling out of South Dakota, starting for the injured Matt Nichols. We'll talk about that throughout the show as well. But I want to put this out here on Twitter. This the top 50 players was uh, announced earlier on TSN and went through the top 50 players. Mike Riley took top spot. But Mike's Twitter question is, at AndyMC81, is which quarterback do you feel will have the best season? So which CFL quarterback do you feel is going to have the best season? Are you going with the obvious, with Mike Riley? The number one from a year ago was Bo Levi Mitchell, one of my faves. Is it going to be him? He was ranked number two. Ricky Ray. You can't discount old Rick. Listen, it, I don't know if there's a, been a more underhyped returning Grey Cup champ than this year with the Toronto Argonauts. Like, flying under the radar. I don't know if people just don't remember or, or what the case might be, but this team is still damn good. And you have Ricky Ray at his advanced age throwing for 5,546 yards. That's sick. And he wasn't even in the top two. 28 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and missed only one game. The question always with Ricky Ray, of course, is can he stay healthy? Because history shows he will miss at least one game. So here's the list. Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, Ricky Ray, or other. And does your other maybe include a Trevor Harris? In 15 games, he threw for just over 4,600 yards. Almost 70% completion and 103.6 efficiency rating. Amazing. Trevor Harris, are you going to take a gamble? Do you think Do you think maybe a Jonathan Jennings out of BC? Horrible year last year. Remember, in 2016, he was the Wunderkind, right? He was supposed to be the next great one. Got injured and fell flat. Is it going to be him? Is that Caleros going to reemerge in Saskatchewan? He's battling it out with Brandon Bridge. Canadian. If Zach Caleros is on... In 2015, uh, listen, this guy, can he's mobile, he can throw, he can run, he's smart, just needed a change of scenery. Can he knock off the rust and reclaim that former glory that he once had? 
It's possible. He's a young man, and he's had success in this league. But my guy, if he was healthy, and he's not, he's going to be out at least four weeks for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, is Matt Nichols. If Matt Nichols was healthy, I would pick him as the guy to have the best season. I would take him over Mike Riley. I would take him over Bo Levi Mitchell. How's that for a hot take for you? I would go Matt Nichols, a guy who last year at this time, we did not know what to expect. It was his first full off season as a starting quarterback. Struggled a little bit out of the out of the gate. Was given that game manager title. Right? Didn't throw a lot of picks, but wouldn't win you a game. Then he came on strong. Look at these numbers compared to everybody else. 28 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Fewest interceptions and best TD to INT ratio of any starting CFL quarterback. 103.8 efficiency. Better than them all. I would go Matt Nichols. You can vote at AndyMC81. Which quarterback do you feel will have the best CFL season? Let's get to the top three storylines in three downs. It's time for Three Downs on CFL Weekly with Andy McNamara, bringing you inside the largest headlines around the Canadian Football League. All right, and we're going to start with the top story I feel this week. First down. First down. And we're going to go to the TSM panel for this to tee it up. Rod Smith, Milt Stiegel, Matt Dunnigan about the top 50 players list. Now, this was released earlier on, and they go through the top two and give their reasoning. All right, along with the panel of Matt Dunnigan over there, Milt Stiegel here, uh, two of the 30 voters. Well, we got three of the 30, one-tenth of them now deciding this uh, top 50 list for the eighth straight year. It's been a lot of fun, somewhat controversial, uh, I'm sure, as players think that they were snubbed or should have been ranked higher. But at the top, not much controversy because it comes down to those two quarterbacks from Alberta, Milt, Mike Riley or Bo Levi Mitchell. They've each won it before, Mm -hmm. being number one. Now, you're one of only two voters who went with Bo instead of Riley. Explain. Well, I I think you can't go wrong with either one of them. You look at Bo's body of work. His body of work over the last three years, he's led his team to the Great Cup Mm -hmm. three times. Of course, Mike Riley had the great season last year. He was the MOP, but I think because of his body of work and all he does is win besides those past two Great Cups, you you, you have to go with Bo, but you can't go wrong with Mike. You can't can't, can't can't. go wrong with either one of them. And I get your line of thinking. I think it kind of mirrors the way things have gone the last four years. Bo, Mike, Bo, Mike. And uh, I went with Mike this past year at number one and Bo number two and I have Ricky Ray at number three. I'll get to that later, but I can tell you the reason why I went with Riley at number one is because he just he just he does it all from underneath the center. Yeah. And and yeah, and he and, he, and uh, he, he guts a defense and can stretch defense with his legs as well as his arm. And and Bo is very much one dimensional. Well and, you may see more of that out of Bo this yeah, year though. Yeah, you may see right. more of that. And and yeah. you know he, he, yeah. and uh, I think I think that's highly likely because yeah. he has that ability. He yeah. just chooses not to do it. Let right. me touch on Ricky Ray. He went sixth overall and you said you had him at third. I had yeah. him further down. Maybe it's age bias thinking that he's just about at the end of his career. Why do yeah. you have him so high? Yeah. Well, it's a quarterback-driven league. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about one, two, and three there. Uh, you know, these, Riley and, and Mitchell both won, won the Grey Cup. Ricky Ray's won it four times. Yeah. In the quarterback-driven league, it's easy for me to put this guy up there because when the chips are on the on the table and they're all pushed out there, Ricky Ray steps up. We saw it again in the Grey Cup, uh, what, six years ago and again last year. I think, Rod, you said it best, his age. If Ricky Ray is three or four years younger, he's number one in my books. Mm. But the fact that he's at his age right mm. now. Where'd you have Adam is 16. Yeah. You had to bring that up, man. Now you know no, Ricky no, Ray when he sees me. No, no, he's Ricky Ray doesn't get mad at me. Ricky Ray does get mad. Now he's going to get mad at me. I know okay, for this. Well. But he, like I said, he's younger. He's number one. He does it. But how much is he going to be on the field? Is he going to get 18 games in? That's why they signed James Franklin. When he's on the field, 
there's no one better right now in this league. Within we just that don't offense, know. boy, he gets rid of the football quickly, man. He'll, yeah. he'll okay. be okay. Yeah. Here's, here's, here's a question for Mike Riley or Bully by Mitchell or Ricky Ray, who got to hoist the hardware in November. Would you rather do that or be number one on the pool? Hoist oh, in the hardware. Come on. Come, Come on. on. Just to That's keep the it all in perspective. Just to keep it in perspective. There's a bigger prize at the end of the season. All right, that was the TSM panel about the top 50 players, and you heard it right there. You can have your voice at AndyMC81 on Twitter and vote in our poll. Which quarterback do you think is going to have the best season? All right, that was first down. Second down. And it goes to Johnny Football. Boy, Johnny's taking the league by storm, hasn't he? Taking it by storm. He's going to be a backup. It follows the same formula that really took in the NFL. Comes in, all the hype, all the attention around Johnny Manziel. Here's the difference from his NFL days from what I've seen. Small sample size. We're going to throw out all the cliches we want, right? Against backups in the preseason, limited playbook, blah, blah, blah. What I wanted to see when I saw Johnny play, and I did see this in the two games. How did he move? How did the ball come out? Where were his eyes? And what I saw from Johnny was he was going through his progressions. In that limited time he was out there, he went one, two, three. You could see him checking his progressions. Then he checked down. The old Johnny would have taken the ball and tried to run. And you sacrifice your body that way. He's quick. He had good zip on the ball. He's, and people forget. They see Johnny Manziel. He's very narrow. He's small. But he has 10-inch hands. That's the size of like a six foot five quarterback. So don't worry about fumble issues or, or being able to sling the ball. Johnny Manziel is going to be just fine. That's going to be a big story. We're going to talk with Dave Naylor in a few minutes about that. All right. Second down's done. Third down. And the quarterback situation in Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and BC. In Winnipeg, Chris Strevler filling in. He beat out Alex Ross for the starting job with Matt Nichols out four to six weeks. This is the first guy to play out of college football since Anthony Calvillo. Straight out. Everybody else either tries the NFL, the backup, whatever. This guy, day one, because of circumstance, is starting, and he did not play a lot of ball as a starting quarterback recently with South Dakota. This could be a great story. This could be a flop non-story. We're going to see in Chris Strebler, and if he can hold on to that job after the first game. Oh, and if that's not enough. So you, you, you have all that. You're replacing Matt Nichols. You're at home. And the Edmonton Eskimos. Argument 1A in the West Division. You have to face the Edmonton Eskimos in week one of the CFL opener. All eyes are on you. In Saskatchewan, Zach Calaris, I mentioned earlier, in a battle with Brandon Bridge, the job should have been Zach's. I liked what Brandon Bridge did last year. I personally, if the plays equal, would give it to Zach and again let Brandon Bridge kind of ease his way in. He's younger. You got Zach Caleros. The guy's proven himself in the league. Uh, that'll be a very interesting storyline to follow. And then in BC, Jonathan Jennings, what is he? If he is a flop like last year, the Lions are done. And what a sad way for Wally Bronner to go out of the league. But if he's good, you have pieces around there. And we saw what they could do with a, a Jonathan Jennings that was ascending at the end of 2016. That is going to be the wild card in the West Division because that division is going to be so tough. And th- it can be had for the BC Lions with Winnipeg and Matt Nichols out for four weeks. So we'll track all that. That was three downs. After the break, TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor joins me. We're going to tee up this whole season, baby. CFL Weekly continues across the TSN radio network. Welcome back 
to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. We are delivered by Domino's. Grab yourself a medium four-topping pizza for just $9.99. If you're hungrier than that, don't worry about it, folks. You can make it a large for $11.99. Check out all the deals. The marble cookie brownie still irresistible. Go to dominoes.ca right now to order dominoes.ca. I chatted with our TSN CFL insider Dave Naylor a little bit earlier on to tee up the season because it's coming at you Thursday and there's so much to talk about. Here we go. A must follow if you're a football fan, whether it's CFL or NFL on Twitter at TSN Dave Naylor. Uh, Dave, hey man, listen, this, this has been a wild off season. Before we get to the Johnny Manziel talk, because you know we got to go there. Let's begin with Winnipeg. And we know Matt Nichols is going to be out four to six weeks, and then after that we'll wait and see. But it was announced Chris Streveler, which is not exactly a household name to most CFL fans, the first QB to start right out of college in the CFL since Anthony Calvillo. So a senior out of South Dakota. Any idea what we should expect once the game starts to count Thursday versus Edmonton? I did very little because this is a guy who looked great in one of his appearances in the preseason. Not bad in a second and, you know, went playing with a lot of guys who are no longer on the team hmm. uh, against a lot of first stringers playing for the BC Lions. Uh, but the result, the reality is, you know, young players, especially in preseason, are running vanilla offenses, usually against vanilla defenses. And that's all going to change on Thursday night when he hits the field against the Edmonton Eskimos. And as you mentioned off the top, it, I, I had to throw this out on Twitter last week when I was in Winnipeg, and, and it dawned on me the reality that Strebler might be starting as a, as a pure rookie. You know, who, when was the last time this happened? And it's funny, it happens a lot more in the National Football League than it does sure. in the CFL because they're picking the cream of the crop. And the game, while it's different going college to the NFL, it, the, the learning curve, you know, with because of the different game in Canada tends to be more steep, which is why we see almost everybody spend a year or two as a backup. But yeah, he's in he's in quarter century territory almost. Nineteen ninety four when wow. Anthony Calvillo, fresh off being the MVP of the Las Vegas Bowl as a senior at Utah State, I think they had nine quarterbacks at camp for the Las Vegas Posse <laughs> that year. He might have been a dozen. Anyway, they they uh, he won the job outright and. Chris Strebler will uh, get his chance to play quarterback as a pure rookie. It's just, it has been nearly a quarter century since a guy who was playing college football in November started a game at quarterback in week one in the CFL. And that's crazy to think that long ago when the CFL had the U.S. teams. Like, that seems like a different lifetime, right? Like, <laughs> well, it does. In the, in the, the CFL, has, you think of how many incarnations there have been, yeah. twists and turns and sort of rebranding there have been since 1994, uh, particularly in the 10 years that followed that. Uh, you know, we're in much more stable times now. But, yeah, it, it feels just like another time and place. So do you feel the Bombers can hold on tread water in Nichols' absence. I know a lot of that is going to depend on what we see out of Strebler, but the surrounding pieces, do you feel they're good enough to kind of hold on and not far, fall too far back in that very competitive West? You know, I think they're, I think they're good enough to do that if they had a competent backup. You hmm. know, like if they still had Dominique Davis, who's right. now in Ottawa and looking pretty good. I, I think the Strebler thing just throws such a mystery in it. You know, like they could, they could surround, they could be great, the other 11 players on offense. But if Strebler is, is overwhelmed, you know, by what he sees in a CFL game three weeks after crossing the border, it's not going to matter. So it's, it's, I think it's really hard to say. I mean, I assume they'll simplify the game plan for him. I assume they'll try to put him in situations where, you know, he can't, 
he's less likely to make a, a critical mistake that might cost them a game. But again, we're into such sort of unprecedented territory over the last two decades. Uh, look, I do like Winnipeg's team. That's what you're asking. I like their offensive line. I think the pieces they've added this year in a Darius Bowman, uh, Nick Dembski compliment. I, I think they've got some, it looks like they've got some pretty decent uh, guys that have come in off their neg list offensively as well. Andrew Harris, you know, one of the top players in the league. Uh, I, I like what they have on offense. I thought they were missing sort of depth at receiver and a big target, and they went out and addressed those things this offseason. And they've had guys like Daniel Peterman who looked great for them in the preseason. They took in the draft, and uh, Rashawn Simonized as well. So I, I really like what they did this offseason. The only thing I don't like is what happened last Thursday when <laughs> I was sitting there watching practice, you know, and, and Matt Nichols fell down right in front of me. And of all the teams – in the league that are ill-prepared to deal with an injury to their starting quarterback. It happened to that one team. Wow. In conversation with TSN's Dave Naylor. All right, Dave, we've waited long enough. Time to talk Johnny. Johnny football. And you've been all over this for, what, about a a year, I guess, right? Going back to... I did an insider in the season opener (laughs) at BMO Field last year, Hamilton at Toronto. I think it's the 24th or 25th of June. Wow. In which I said... There's been a lot of speculation about with Ricky Ray, you know, coming off an injured year and 37 years old, and the Argos needed a marketing push. Would the Hamilton Tiger Cats trade the right to Johnny Manziel to the Argonauts? And because, of course, at that time they were still with Zach Galeros as their starter, sure. on the highest paid, the richest contract right. in the CFL annually. Uh, and and what I said in the insider that day is that I am led to believe that Mark Tressman has no interest in Johnny Manziel. It is a it is a non-starter for the Argonauts from a football perspective. He's just not interested in in having him in here, and so it won't happen. And I do think that there was a window when Hamilton would have been willing to trade there, right? even to, to their rival down the road in Toronto. But it was just it just apparently was not something that was Tressman's taste. So interesting, and Dave. So we've seen Johnny two preseason games, but you've been around him a lot, the story a lot, you've spoken to him. How do you feel he's making the adjustment? Because, listen, you know I'm a Browns fan, and I heard plenty of Johnny Manziel interviews, and after each one, you'd sold Johnny had figured it out, and he would revert back or not take things seriously. By all accounts, it seems like he is, the light has finally clicked on him, and he knows this is really his last chance at pro ball, right, to make a comeback. Well, I think I think he's been humbled. Mm, uh, that, right, that was clear right. to me when I when I met him down in the spring league in Texas. In fact, he used that word to describe himself. Like I think he's very well. I guess one of the things that's really kind of struck me about him is the degree of self awareness he's had. You know, mm. about how far he's fallen, about how marginal his career and his, his life really became, and how you know he sort of embraced this sense of gratitude uh, rather than seeming like a guy who's pissed off to be in the Canadian Football League playing for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. He seems like a guy who rejoices in it. You know, and and I, and I think that's it's a necessary step for, for anybody who comes to the CFL. I think you've got to approach it with a sense of gratitude, not a sense of, you know, I've been betrayed by the National Football League and now right. I've got to go, you know, to Siberia. Um, and, and I haven't seen that in him at all. And, again, I think he's learned how to downplay the NFL thing because, you know, it's it, it, CFL fans don't want to hear that a guy's just dying to get back to the National Football yeah. League. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I think we know he is, right? But he said, hey, I'm here for two years. Um, I think I know I've watched a lot of Johnny Manziel interviews. I've been present for a few. I've had some exchanges with him, uh, and and everything I have seen uh, makes me think that he really does understand and appreciate and have a pretty good sense of both the league and sort of himself at this stage of his life. I, I think that the tricky thing is you know as a guy who's in recovery, 
Um, you know, I'm going to still, I'm Bruce Arthur said to me when we were talking on the sidelines in Hamilton last week, he said, you know, the tricky thing is that recovery is, is rarely a linear process. Mm-hmm. Right? There's ups and downs. And, and, and how, how's he going to deal with, you know, the first downs that come along if they do, you know, maybe they never do. But when he's in a different country in a different place and, and, and he feels challenged by his mood, how will he handle it? That's, that's, I guess, one of the things that, that we're looking at. But look, if I'm the Ticats and I'm the Canadian Football League, I am overjoyed at how this has gone so far. I've got great publicity. Johnny Manziel looks like he's taking football seriously. He's been respectful to the league. He's been respectful to his teammates. Uh, you know, he's even got into a little bit of fun trash talking and for just sort of entertainment with the Argonauts. And he looks like he can play football. So, you know, I, I was count me a guy who at one time was very skeptical because I've seen just so many, wow, this would be a great opportunity for player X. And, you know, somehow it, it, it so rarely it actually works out for them. So if guys who have that much talent spring free, there's usually a reason mm-hmm. that it's not working for them. Um, but I, I, I'm not a Ticat fan, but I'm cheering for Johnny Manziel. And I don't have a problem saying that just because I think I, I think he's, he's shown the league and his teammates and uh, this country uh, so much respect early on that, that I hope it really works out for him. Yeah, and as you said, from a storyline angle, the interest, and wow, like imagine if, if we look back and three years down the road he goes back and has an NFL career. Like what what a, a 30 for 30 that'll be one day, right? It'll well, be incredible. I, and it's funny, and I'm going to say something that not a lot of people are talking about, and I've had people tell me I'm nuts on this, but I, I, I really believe it. I think it's people are, the thing's kind of, you know, been divided into a two road thing, right? Either he's going to flop here mm-hmm. or he's going to be successful. And in two years, he'll be back in the National Football League. Okay? okay. There's a third road here. And I actually think the third road is maybe the most likely one. And that is that he comes up here, plays very well, but isn't afforded an opportunity to go back to the National Football League and has a Doug Flutie as career here uh-huh. for a decade. I mean, people forget Doug Flutie was here. Eight years. Right. Yeah. Eight years. Okay. And I think in those eight years, he won five or six MVPs. So, what else do you, know, you want? It, well, it wasn't like Flutie came up here, you know, had a good, had a pretty good year, and, you know, he was great. And there was no, and, and you know, until 1996, 97, when he's playing 40 minutes from the Buffalo Bills, and they finally decide, geez, you know, he's probably better than Todd Collins. You know, that, that's what it took. Right. right. So, so it's, I, I think there's a, there's a whole scenario here where Johnny Manziel, really takes to this game, takes to this league, has tremendous success, and ends up being the highest paid player in the league, making six or $700,000 a year in two years. You know, I, I think that's possible, that it doesn't necessarily translate into an opportunity in the National Football League. And the two reasons, I won't get too long on this, but two reasons I think are, one, he still doesn't fit the profile of a backup quarterback. So if you go in on Johnny Manziel, if you're an NFL team, you've pro- you got to go all in. Okay? Right. And that, that's, he's, not, he's not Dave Dickinson, who you're going to sign to be your number three. You know, when he got his time in the NFL. So the, and the other thing is this. I think it's still probably a fireable offense for an NFL general manager if you go all in on Johnny Manziel and you're wrong. Sure. So, like, yeah. you know, there are a lot of NFL GMs that they look at it and say, I can go after this guy in free agency. I can try to develop this guy for my roster. I can draft a guy out of college. And all three of those are less likely to get you fired if you're wrong <laughs> than going to Canada and getting Johnny Manziel. It, so it, it's a splash I, I, move, believe, yeah. I think this could be a... I think this could be a long-term relationship between Johnny Manziel and the CFL. Dave, thank you so much for taking the time. We'll check back in with you as the season progresses. Thanks so much. Hey, my pleasure. Take care, Andy. All right, Dave Naylor, TSN CFL Insider, one of the best in the business after the break. A CFL State of the Union with the Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. You're listening to CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. 
CFL Weekly, the Season 2 debut across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Go vote on our Twitter poll at AndyMC81. Which quarterback do you think is going to have the best season? And we are delivered by Domino's. If you're hungry, guys, go get yourself a medium four-topping pizza for $9.99 or a large upgrade for just $3 more. Check out all the great deals at Domino's.ca. Okay. State of the Union time. I chatted with the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, of the CFL to tee up a whole bunch of stuff for this CFL season. Randy, a player always feels more comfortable after a full offseason with a team and starting day one. Do you feel the same way going through a full offseason and entering year two as commissioner? Oh, absolutely. You know, the... The, the first season was almost surreal, uh, you know, coming in, the games had already started, uh, but it was special in its own way. You know, I, I spent a lot of time, you know, visiting with our fans uh, in stadiums, kind of taking it all in, learning a lot, doing a lot of listening, trying to, you know, trying to get to know my new colleagues. All of those things were amazing in their own way. This off This off season, or as we like to call it our business season, you know, has really allowed me to deepen, uh, you know, my relationships with, you know, so many of our key stakeholders, you know, with our governors, you know, team presidents, uh, that, you know, get to know uh, and, and spend more time with our GMs and, and many of our coaches. Uh, my own team here at CFL headquarters, you know, are many of our partners, uh, and of course the players themselves and the player association. So yeah, like I just kind of feel, I feel, uh, you know, you're, you're not on top of it, but I feel like I'm, um, I'm in a much better position today to do this job, uh, coming into year two than I was uh, on the fly in year one. Excellent. And what are a couple of the initiatives or changes made this off season or that will be coming this year that you want CFL fans to be aware of? Well, you know, I, I think the most fundamental and important thing we did is really going back to the teams to understand what their priorities were uh, and, and what that meant is understanding how important their ticketing initiative, you know, getting, getting our stadiums filled with, with CFL fans, all of those things were amazingly, uh, it's amazingly important to the teams. And then we were able to align our business plan at the league office with that. And so two things we're going to do. One is we're going to really lean in and, and, you know, and be part of the ticket selling process. But our contribution is going to be in the, in the form of fan engagement. So, you know, fans can look forward to, you know, starting Thursday night, the rec laws, um, you know, the, the opening of the season with a concert series. That's, a, that's an acknowledgement that, you know, for some of our hard, hardcore fans, they come for the football. But for many, you know, they come for the, they come for the total experience. It's about the atmosphere in the stadiums, in this case, uh, some wonderful entertainment. Um, that's a thing that our fans will see. We're going to do a family day uh, out uh, theme. Uh, we're going to, you know, fans are going to get a chance. We're going to welcome in new fans, young fans, families to come to the stadium. And we're, then we're going to do a diversity game, acknowledge our own amazing history. All of those things designed to create an amazing in-stadium experience, welcome in our lifelong fans and welcome in some new fans in the process. Those things are important, an important part of what will define the 2018 season. 
I like what you said there, Randy. You said experience, right? And it's all about growing the game, growing the fan base. And yeah, maybe you have bringing a casual fan who likes the band or likes the idea of a summer. Who doesn't like a summer concert, right? You're outside, you're, you got a drink and, and you're enjoying yourself. Then they have a good time there. And then you have new fans. So I think that that is important and something that, that really it's, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, no. And, and, and that's, you know, look, Andy, that's the right word. But coming to a coming to a CFL game is is really that's it that word it's fun it's about meeting a group of friends it's hanging out maybe standing at a high top table maybe sitting in your seats maybe both it's um, it's a evening of entertainment it's an evening of great football it's an evening of friendship it's maybe a cold beer it's for for the younger crowd it's it's sitting next to mom or dad or both. It's maybe an uncle or an aunt. It's 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 building relationships. I mean, literally, you should go home at the end of the night. Our 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 goal is a bunch of people, little little people, tugging on to mom and dad's mm-hmm. shirt sleeves and saying, "Hey, you know, when are we coming back?" And maybe for the older crowd, already starting to to schedule their their CFL game experiences because they've had an amazing time. Awesome. In conversation with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi on Twitter at Randy Ambrosi. All right. We dodged it long enough, Randy. You know I got to talk Johnny football, right? You know, uh, Johnny Manziel, the storyline has taken the league by storm. It's also drummed up plenty of attention in the U.S. Did you expect this much publicity for the CFL? And what do you think this extra exposure with Johnny Manziel ultimately means? Well, you know, look, did we expect it? I think some, to some degree, yes. You know, you can never know for sure because it's, uh, you know, there's no playbook for this. Um, certainly, I mean, this was a this was a, a young man who won the Heisman in his rookie season. That's you know that doesn't happen and has not happened uh, uh, in in uh, college football history. Uh, look, my my biggest I think the biggest benefit of, of new eyes on our league is that those eyes will get an opportunity to see so many great players. I welcome any the way of getting those eyeballs on our on our players. You know Jeremiah Masoli, uh, who's a great quarterback. Ricky Ray, you know Mike Riley. Uh, you know, and I could go on and on and on. I think that the attention that we're getting is good because you know what we've got world class players playing in our league across all of our nine teams. And what I'm really looking forward to is all of those eyes. You know, seeing seeing uh, Johnny Manziel, but 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 then kind of going, wait a minute, this is an amazing collection of professional football players, and uh, and we want to and we want to come for come for one guy and stay for the rest. Exactly, get, just get exposure for it. And I'll tell you, uh, I'm, listen, I'm I'm a Browns fan. I got lots of friends in Cleveland, and they are paying attention. They are turning on ESPN, watching the CFL. There are people, obviously, Texas A&M fans watching the CFL. So it's a whole new game. And we, I'm sure you've heard, Randy, over the years, you have pockets in the U.S. that are like, you're like, you watch the CFL? It's because they watched it or tuned in for one reason or another and fell in love with the game. So it's it's good, big picture. Well, it is. And, you know, look, I, I've never been shy about my convictions about our game. I think it is the best brand of football. I think it's fast. It's fun. It's It, it moves quickly. I think it's a... I think it's a great fan engagement game because it's got a fast pace to it. All of the things that have made our league so great are things that we can grow on. And, and I think our brand of football has a brilliant 
future because it it has all the elements that we know people are looking for in Canada you know the idea of identifying and maybe maybe now as much or more than ever in history the idea of being Canadian is remarkably powerful this league belongs to Canada this is the Canadian Football League it is absolutely unique as a sports property as a sports league I think now this identification of, of this being our game is very powerful. We want Canadians to pour in and be part of what we're doing because uh, not only do we have great football, but it's part of uh, the best country in the world. No doubt. No doubt. In conversation with CFL Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. Okay, Randy, the other you got Johnny Manziel the offseason, and the other ongoing talk that everybody wants to know about is expansion. I know you're asked it all over the place, but there's lots of buzz out in the Maritimes. Where are you at in the process of possibly adding that 10th franchise in the region? And, and fans want to know potentially how many years off this might be and what needs to be done to get there. Yeah, Andy, I think the word you just used is the correct way to think about it. It's a process. Mm-hmm. You know, for one, I, I uh, you know, at, at the governor's level, uh, what my governors are asking is for good, uh, thorough, thoughtful process because, you know, this is like the uh, using the carpenter's axiom, measure twice and cut once. Like, right. let's do this right. Let's be, let's be positive optimistic, encouraging, but let it be professional. Uh, I have had a chance to be in Halifax and talk CFL football with, uh, you know, with uh, the town council, city council, uh, with, you know, fans. I was in Moncton last week, um, you know, met with the Premier Gallant, um, had a chance to, you know, to talk about a future for, for a team in Atlanta, Canada. There are so many reasons to be excited about it. But we want, with the, with the group that represent maritime football, we want, to walk, we want to walk carefully together to make sure that we're crossing all of our T's and dotting our I's along the way. And, and my, you know, because I'm an optimist by nature, I have to believe this leads us to someplace good. Um, but I also know that I want to make sure that if we get it done, and that day that we can proudly say that we're that we're you know we've we've found our way to this elusive tenth team, and the truly national Canadian Football League coast to coast that we've done it uh, that we've done it well. Yeah, you want to make sure the solid ownership. We know in different sports leagues and all that, if you don't get that right, it can be a schmoz and then a, a negative experience. So uh, I'm with you. I think it's going to be when it does happen. It's going to be a lot of fun. And Randy, let's catch up again closer to the Grey Cup. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks very much, Andy. Have a good day and a great Canadian Football League season. And I sure will, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi. State of the Union 2018 CFL season. After the break, we'll wrap up the Season 2 debut episode with TSN.ca Scott Cullen with Team Power Rankings and Week 1 Game Picks. That coming up on CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network. To wrap up the Season 2 debut of CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network, I'm Andy McNamara. We are delivered by Domino's. Check out all the great delivery and carryout deals at dominoes.ca like this one. A four-topping media pizza for just $9.99. And if you're hungrier than that, for just 3 bucks more, 
Upgrade it to a large. Check it all out at dominoes.ca. And give me a follow on Twitter at AndyMC81. It wouldn't be one of my shows if Scott Cullen wasn't on it. From TSN.ca, Scott Cullen. Scotty, how's it going? Awesome. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, man. You know what? I want to get your take before we go to the power rankings on our Twitter poll question at AndyMC81. Because the top 50 players came out on TSN for the CFL season. And I wanted to focus just on, on quarterbacks, though. So... Who, in your opinion, is going to have the best CFL season as quarterback? I listed Mike Riley, Bo Levi Mitchell, Ricky Ray, or other. So you can go off the board if you like. See, I, I voted for Mike Riley, um, and, and and I, I, I when you had your poll up, I, I caught it, and, and so I voted. At the time, I don't think he was leading. I don't know what the situation is now, though. What's the <laughs> well, we're at, we're at Bo Levi is first, uh, Ricky Ray at 30%, Ricky Ray second at 28, Riley th- yeah. uh, third at 25, and then other at 17. And we do have a tweet in from uh, Willie who says Johnny Football. So we got the Johnny vote. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Some... like that, that's going off the board to grab the, the backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I And, like, obviously Mike Riley's lost some receivers um, in that, you know that could play into it, but I'm, I think I'm a pretty big Mike Riley believer. Um, you know that that he's going to be able to kind of extract production from from whoever he has out there, and it's not and it's not as though their uh, receiving core is completely barren in uh, in Edmonton. But you know, I mean, look, last year last year I was you know hanging out on on Brandon Zilstra every week for right. uh, for CFL fantasy, and now now he's not there. So yes, I have to acknowledge that there's a uh, a drop off in in uh, what they have at receiver for Edmonton, but I, I think Riley is um, good enough and, and consistent enough that that he's going to be able to get uh, pretty big production. And when it comes to Bo Levi, I mean, look, last year was really disappointing. I would say, um, you know, given what he had done before, uh, and you know, I, I think we had a lot of suspicion that there, that injury was involved. Yes, and so maybe look, maybe he's healthy this year and, and the numbers bounce back to, to their previous level. That's entirely possible. Um, and, you know, Ricky Ray is Ricky Ray. You know, the, the guy's going to put up uh, big passing yards as long as he stays upright. And, and that's the uh, the challenge that uh, existed for Toronto last season and, and will exist again this year is, you know, just keep, keep Ricky Ray upright so that you can uh, – Give yourself a fighting chance. Still, 5,500 yards. Like, and no one's <laughs> talking about him, Scotty. No one's talking about the Argos. They won the Grey Cup. It's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. And Ricky Ray, 50. Like, man, underappreciated or what? Maybe that's a good thing for, for Toronto. Yeah, you know, you, you don't have to worry about being too hyped going into the, the, no. the season. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a little bit flying under the radar, and, and you have a, um, you know, a star quarterback, a star running back, a star receiver. You know, they've, they've got some. Um, you know what? What three of the top eleven or twelve guys in the in the TSN top fifty yeah. poll? Like that's those are some uh, at all at uh, you know skill positions. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I on some respects, I, I I know that they're not getting you know maybe quite as much hype as, as some of the teams out west. But I think that's sort of a function of the teams out west. You know. They they tend to dominate uh, during the season, and wh- whoever kind of escapes from the East, uh, <laughs> you know, ha- has their chance at, at them in the in the Grey Cup, and that's you know that's kind of how how it worked for Toronto last year. But I think you know from from my perspective, I still think you know maybe the best teams in the league are still coming from the West, which you know Tor- Toronto might be able to challenge them for sure. But um, you know, I think if you're going odds on, they're they're not as good as say uh, Edmonton or Calgary. 
Right, right. In conversation with uh, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. And, Scotty, we're going to get into uh, CFL fantasy talk as the weeks go on, starting next week and the strategy there uh, via DraftKings, via the TSN.ca games and get into that. But I wanted to focus on the power rankings as we enter the season. Um, is it safe to say we can slot Montreal in at the bottom, leave them there comfortably, and move up from there? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> You know, t- tough break for, Sorry, for Montreal, but uh, you know they, they've sort of earned that spot. For oh, that one. and you know that's. Uh, <laughs> I guess we we talk about how to, how it's good for Toronto to have lowered expectations. Well, don't don't worry uh, <laughs> about Montreal. They've got they've got super low expectations, and um, you know I, I think every every once in a while a CFL team kind of really. <laughs> hits a down point and then they have to kind of start climbing their way out. I mean, look, it wasn't that long ago, but I would say Hamilton was uh, in, in one of those. Oh, sure. Uh, real Most of the season. And, 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 and so, you know, Mo- Montreal certainly starts this season with, with low expectations and, you know, this is their opportunity to prove everyone wrong. But uh, I, I don't, over the course of 18 yeah. games, I don't, I don't think we're going to get proven wrong. I think, I think they're going to end up, uh, you know, the ninth of nine. Yeah, that's that's a lot of pressure on the shoulders of quarterback Drew Willie. They finished three and fifteen last year. Then you have the BC Lions and Scotty. I don't know about you, but this is a team I think is really on. We know it's a quarterback driven league, but this is really on the back of Jonathan Jennings. If he plays like he did in twenty sixteen, this team could surprise and rise. If he plays like he did in twenty seventeen, they're going to be right down in the power rankings with Montreal. I think. Probably, yeah, and, you know, and uh, Jen- Jennings, I think he was one of the bigger disappointments last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given how he had uh, performed, as you said in 2016, you know, there was reason to be kind of optimistic that okay, he's uh, uh, an up and comer at quarterback that can can really take this team to uh, to the next level. And no, his the next level went down, uh, and so you know, we'll see whether he can rebound this year because yeah, he's got some talent around him. Um, you know, Brian Burnham and Manuel Arsenal are still, you know, two of the better receivers in the league. And if, uh, you know, as we say it's a quarterback driven league. If, if, and, you know, you can worry about, you know, solving all the other issues if you've got a quarterback, but if you don't have right. a quarterback, it hardly matters. Yeah. You got to um, keep so, looking. So in the case of BC, you know, if Jennings is the guy and he, you know, plays well, then yeah, you, you know, I, I think they have a chance to be competitive and, and who knows, um, you know, whether they're, capable of kind of keeping up with Calgary and Edmonton, but, uh, you know, a lot of that's going to fall on the quarterback. And, and I mean, that's, that's the story of the CFL in many respects, but, uh, given, given, I guess the, the range of possibilities with Jonathan Jennings, uh, that leaves you, uh, quite a range of possibilities for the BC Lions as well. Yeah, and Sky, let's hit these quick here. Um, the Ottawa mm-hmm. Red Blacks and Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think, are two interesting stories because Trevor Harris, again, really good numbers, uh, missed a few games, is really looking to prove people wrong still and overcome that he is belongs with the elite names like Bo Levi Mitchell and Mike Riley. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, where do you have them going into the season without Mike Riley <laughs> and Chris Strevler out of South well, Dakota? Well, okay, so so Ottawa, I kind of have a middle-of-the-pack middle, middle of the pack team right now. I'm, I'm a a big uh, Trevor Harris, you know, fan believer, yeah, whatever you'd like to say that, um, you know, that he, he was productive in Toronto and went over to Ottawa and was productive there. And, um, you know, I, I, I think any of the, the red back red blacks problems over, uh, the past few years, or at least last year, didn't really fall on, on Harris. I think that there was, you know, other, other issues, uh, on that team. So, uh, I mean, I, I still don't think that they're, um, you know, a great team by any stretch, but I, I think the quarterback position is certainly 
uh, taken care of. And, and so, um, you know, that puts them kind of middle of the pack uh, for me coming into the season. Um, now, Winnipeg, uh, going into week one, and, and this is heavily influenced by the fact that Chris Trevler doesn't have much of a track record. No, uh, I basically, I have them at eight going into the to week one hmm. uh be, but it's because i don't i mean look this kid is you know this kid out of south dakota who you know he had a, he had a nice year at south dakota and but i don't know what that means yeah we don't you know, know. Whether, whether whether you can make the jump from from playing at south dakota to all of a sudden starting in the cfl and 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 be fine i mean he might be but um i have a hard time kind of Putting I'm a, I'm with you. It's it's a like lot of value on him. yeah, like he could just as easily bomb, and, and and that's that's the X factor for Winnipeg as we enter the season. So Scotty, we'll keep our eyes open for your team power rankings on TSN.ca, and of course you'll tweet it out at TSN Scott Collin. Looking forward to uh, another season with you, buddy. Thank you so much. Sounds great. Thank you, Andy. All right, that is Scott Collin. Check out all his fine work on TSN.ca. Hey, all right, folks, that'll do it. If you missed any of the show, don't worry. We got the link posted up on the show page at tsn1050.ca or on Twitter at andymc81, my Instagram at andymcsports. Links are there if you missed uh, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi, Dave Naylor, or Scott Cullen. Check it all out there. Season 2, Episode 1 in the book. So, for producer Sean Lavery and Natasha Shivraj, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to CFL Weekly across the TSN Radio Network.